0: Amen. Open your Bibles, please, uh, in the Old Testament to the book of Ezekiel. I've been reading, of course, devotionally through the Old Testament. Here, this first part of this new year, I'm in the book of Ezekiel. Now, I didn't get that far that quick, I'll just tell you. But uh, I'm in the book of Ezekiel. And then last Sunday morning, after the morning message, Brother Ray up Church mentioned something to me, and I mentioned it last Sunday night. And God had already been dealing with my heart about that passage, especially and as I prayed through the week, I wanted to share that with you. I I don't I'm not a promoter of uh, TV commercials. It seems like there's more of them now than ever before. But this is Valentine, the sun, tomorrow will be Valentine's Day, and I, boy, I in, in spite of the fact that I'm a Carolina fan, I do like all this red here this morning. And uh, thank the Lord for you being here. All of you, visitors, guests. We've got a lot of guests. Pansy and, 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 Miss, and Brother Pete have so many guests over here. And I saw a lot of visitors. Thank you for being here. We're glad you're here. I want you to come back and be with us again. And for all our friends in the radio audience and the Internet, wherever you may be listening, we, we want to welcome you and hope that you'll be a part of this service sometime in person. We'd love to have you. Thank God for you being here. But back to the commercial. One of the commercials they've been running about Valentine, I think it may be Hallmark Cards or something, but it says Valentine's Day is not about you, it's about us. Boy, I I never, I I like that. When I begin to think about that, about I I, I love my wife and she's been such a blessing uh, all of these years that we've been together, but it's about us. It's about the fact that God put us together. And when you think about the Lord Jesus Christ, how he loved the whole world, that's a wonderful truth. And he does love the whole world. He loves every person all the way around the world. Every person that's ever been born, he loved them and he died for them. The Bible said that he loved the whole world and he died for the whole world. Died for the sins of the whole world, paid the sin debt on the whole world. And that's a wonderful thing. And when you think about that love expressed, but isn't it a special thing when you have experienced that love personally And now it's not just about him It's about us I know that love I've felt that love I've experienced that love And he, res- he saved me and redeemed me No telling where I'd be I'd probably be dead and in hell today Had it not been for that love A lot of my friends have been gone many years Who never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ And, uh, and I, I am thankful that by the mercy of God God the Holy Ghost dealt with me and I trusted him. I've experienced that love. And if you don't, you don't know that love, that's what this is all about. This is what this service is all about, is for you to know that love. Look in the book of Ezekiel, and I want to share this with you. We have some other things announcement-wise that we will share at the close of the service. But just will you look with me, please? The passage I'm going to read to you is, is repeated also in chapter 33 of this same book, of these, these same thoughts. But look in chapter 3 of the book of Ezekiel and in verse number 17. The Lord is speaking to this prophet Ezekiel. uh, Israel is a a rebellious people, been in bondage. And and he's speaking to the preacher though. He's speaking to the prophet. And listen to what he says. He said, son of man, I have set thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And thou givest him not the warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way, this, to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered. But his blood shall I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous man sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, thou hast delivered thy soul. Will you bow with me for prayer? Father... I want to thank you and praise you for the marvelous grace of our wonderful Lord. God, thank you for the great singing today. And God, I ask, Father, in Jesus' name for that anointing that'll make the difference. I pray, God, that, Lord, that not today that people would hear me, but, God, that you would speak to their heart through this word. Lord, you said to Ezekiel, we're to say the words that you say. And, God, I pray you'd help me, empower me. And, God, speak to the hearts of men and women, boys and girls. Our Father, what a great tragedy for anybody in this building who's been here many services, those who are here for the first time, that anybody would leave here without knowing that they had been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. And God, I pray, oh God, that you draw by your Holy Spirit, convict, do that that I cannot do and no man could do. I pray, God, you'd save for Jesus' sake and we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There are just three little truths I want you to see from this passage of Scripture this morning. I want you to first of all see in the first place the authority of our God. The authority of our God. And then I want you to notice the awfulness of sin. And then I want you to see the accountability of the saints It's clear enough in this passage of Scripture, all we'd have to do is read it over and over again. It's an awesome passage of Scripture. Notice the authority of our God. It is our God who decides upon his assessment of us and looking at us who is wicked and who is righteous. Now, I can't do that. I can look across this great congregation. Y'all look pretty good to me. A few on this side I see, but most of you look pretty good. And I could say, you know, you're a good looking crowd. I can watch your mannerisms and listen to how you talk and watch your lifestyle. And I can say that's a good person or that's a righteous person or, or that's a wicked person by, because of their vocabulary and because of what they do and their actions and all that. They, they must be a wicked person. But truth be known, nobody knows the heart except God himself. And he has the authority to analyze us and to assess us and declare that we are wicked or righteous. Will you notice, There are not a half a dozen different groups. There are only two. Wicked, righteous, lost, saved. In this building this morning, you're either lost or you're saved. Now, let me hasten to say this to you. The Bible said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means that everybody born in Adam's race is born into sin. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In fact, it goes on to say this, there's none righteous, no, not one. Well, how is it that God then can say some are wicked and some are righteous? Well, in the, when you come to the New Testament, the Old Testament's revealed in the New Testament. And God gave us this great new covenant, the covenant of grace. The covenant of the gospel. And here's what he said, illustrated in the life of Paul. Paul looked at the nation of Israel, whose great heritage traces back here into the prophet Ezekiel. And he says this. He said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's why I thank God for that song that Janie just sang. He saved me because I was wicked, but he saved me. He saved me. I didn't save myself. And listen, what Paul said. Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Five, bear them record that they have a zeal toward God but not according to knowledge. They don't understand God's concept of righteousness. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto unto God's righteousness which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, here's what it says. He said, it is impossible for a man or one, a boy, girl, to live a righteous life to the satisfaction of God's demand. The Bible said not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Not what we did, but what he did. And it says this in the book of Isaiah. All of our righteousness is his filthy rags. All of my good deeds, all of your good deeds in the estimation of God. And he has that authority. See, I can't do that. Nobody else can do that. Your mother can't do that. Your husband, your wife, nobody can assess your life, but God has that authority. He is God. He knows everything about you and he knows whether or not you're righteous or not. But now look, it does not come by your own righteousness. Israel would not submit themselves unto the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What's he mean by that? It means this. It means that you come to the place where you recognize that you're lost. You can't do a thing about it. And you receive Jesus Christ. All of your sin Look at 1 Peter was laid on him. And here's the wonderful, beautiful thing about what God does. All of my sin went on Christ and Christ paid all of my sin. But the, the biblical term is imputation. But God hath imputed to me now all the righteousness of Christ. And to all of those who are saved, you're not in your own righteousness, but you have the righteousness of Christ because you trusted Jesus Christ. He saved me. When I was lost and I couldn't do a thing about it. When I was blind and I could not see. When I was dead in trespasses and sin. By the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. He pricked my heart. Convicted me of my sin. Showed me the Savior. Showed me I couldn't save myself. And by faith I received Jesus Christ as Savior Lord. And that's what all those in this building who are saved have done. Righteousness comes by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now. Notice the awesomeness of God, his authority. Listen, he can decide who is righteous, who's not. But I want you to go another uh, step further with that. He determines eternal destination because of his authority. He said, if I say unto this wicked, thou shalt surely die. The Bible said the wage of sin is death. Your life, my dear friend, the very life that you're living now is controlled by God himself. He has the keys of life and death. He determines that. You don't determine that, He does. And the awesome thing, the awful thing about, about this is that He is the one who decides whether you're righteous or wicked. And whether you're righteous or wicked determines where you end up in eternity. Notice the awfulness of sin. The wages of sin is death. Now, the Bible talks in the New Testament. As Paul is talking about Moses, the book of Hebrews, that he said, Moses chose to suffer with God's people rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, sin does have pleasure in it. The world, you see all the painted pictures in in the media all the time of people who engage in in everything the world offers. And they're always happy, always happy. And my dear friend, it's kind of like the commercials that they have for medications that's supposed to be good for you they in the first few statements they they talk real loud and there's flowers and sunshine and people running and they talk about this wonderful medication but then their voice lowers slightly and across the bottom scrolls this thing and it says this taking this medicine may cause you to die it may because you become impotent it may cause you to have bleeding you you may your gallbladder may bust and all those things it goes through and lists all those things but see, the world paints it up here as beautiful. And the whole time they're telling you all the awful things, there's one of a man and a little girl. And, and you get fixated on that man and that little girl. And they're playing or drawing or doing something. And you, you just kind of tune out what they're saying. You don't hear the awful repercussions of that medication because you're, you're seeing the visual of a happy, wonderful life. My dear friend, that's what the devil's painting for you today. You don't understand the awfulness of sin. The wages of sin is death. There's a pleasure in sin for a season, but that season runs out. And then the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that we, we sin after we are, we are drawn out after our own lust. And when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. And when sin is finished, it brings forth death. The natural result or the spiritual result Of sin is death spiritual separation from God for all eternity the Bible talks about the second death that means that when you die here physically having lived a life of rejecting Christ you'll be assigned to a place called hell for all eternity that's an awful situation but here's the truth of the matter that's not his intent why would he send this prophet to preach and to warn I'll tell you why The Bible said he's not willing that any should perish. He does have the authority to decide who's wicked and who's righteous by just looking at you and looking at your heart. He looks on the heart and not on the outside as men do. But not only that, he has the right because he's God to assign you to eternity in a place called hell. Because he's a holy just God. Not to to put you there because he just wants to and decides to put you there. But because you deserve that. Wages of sin is death. But notice his, his affection for you. He sends the preacher, sends the prophet to warn you. He does, he's not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to be saved. Jesus Christ himself came. That's the very reason he came. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. The Lord Jesus Christ came. And he said this in Luke chapter 5 verse 32. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to Repentance. And Paul writes, and he says this, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And the Bible says this in the book of Luke chapter 15, and it talks about the parable of lost things, the lost coin, the lost son, and the lost sheep. And here is their conclusion in Luke chapter 15, verse seven, and joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth over 90 and nine just persons, which need no repentance. Heaven bells ring when somebody repents because Jesus loved you and God the Father loved you and God sent the Father and he demonstrates his love and affection by sending Jesus Christ. He warns you, warns you. You, know, you say, well, God just doesn't want me to have any fun. No, he doesn't want you to be in hell for all eternity. He wants you to know the real joy and peace. He sent his son to die for you. He loved you with an everlasting love. He wants you to know real joy. Jesus Christ said these things I've spoken that your joy might be full and he said, I'll give you peace, not as the world gives you peace, but peace the world cannot take away. He'll give you peace. He wants you to have joy and peace and forgiveness and to live in heaven with him for all eternity. My dear friend, that's, that's the awfulness of sin. But my friend, the affection, the love demonstrated of Christ to redeem us from that awful sin that we cannot save ourselves. My dear friend, not only is it, was it the mission of Christ and the heart of God himself, but my friend, it was the message of all the New Testament all the New Testament preachers, the apostle preached that. Jesus Christ, when he came, Jesus Christ loved people. You remember the stories over and over again. Nicodemus chapter three came to Jesus by night. He explained to him the wonderful gift of the new birth and gave him that great passage. John chapter three, verse 16. The woman at the well. And and listen, he loved her and he gave her a water satisfied and longing that nobody else could ever give her. My dear friend, listen, there was a woman taken in adultery and yet Jesus loved her and said, go and sin no more. All over and over again, Mary Magdalene, that was the the man who was possessed of demons, the young boy possessed of demons. And Jesus went to him and he changed his life. My dear friend, that's what it's all about. Jesus Christ wants us uh, to be different, wants us to be saved, wants us to have joy. That's why he came. My dear friend, notice in this passage of scripture, the authority of our God and notice the awfulness of sin. Notice his love for us, my dear friend. But now I want you to note this. I want you to note, my dear friend, the accountability of the saints. Here's what he said. He gave us a gospel message. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the good news to every creature. Preach the gospel to them. And the gospel, my dear friend, is the message that Jesus Christ bore your sin. He suffered and bled and died. He paid all your sin debt. He died and was buried and he arose again. He's alive forevermore. The fact that he arose is a validation that the debt's been paid. If he went in that grave and there was one sin in my life, one sin in your life, one thing uh, that you disobeyed God in, if there was one sin that was not perfectly atoned for, Jesus would still be in the grave. But my dear friend, when Jesus walked out on the morning of that third day, what God shouted when he shook the world is this. The debt's been paid. I have accepted the death of my dear son in whom I'm well pleased. And he's received that for every person. The debt's been paid. It's a free gift. And you and I have that wonderful message. To go to people and say your life can be different. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can go to heaven. You don't have to live in the bondage of sin, and it comes by the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. Every person can be saved if they just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But now notice our accountability. He says to to Ezekiel here in this passage of scripture, He said, When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die. And He said, if you don't speak to warn that wicked of his wicked ways, He said, he'll die in his sin but his blood will I require at by hand. My dear friend, I want you just for a moment to visualize that, that you have in the circle of your influence, thousands of people. From the time that you trusted Christ to this very hour, there's no telling how many people you've seen, family members, relatives, schoolmates, work associates, friends in, in the community, in civic clubs and everywhere else. And God's made men you accountable for them. He said, "When I send to the wicked, thou sh- surely die." He said, "You're to speak to warn them. You're to give them the gospel. Now, if you don't warn them, they'll die in their sin, and they'll be in eternity for all in hell for all eternity." But notice the accountability. He said, Thy, their blood will I require of your hand." We are accountable. Now you don't have to sign up for that. Timmy does a great job with our care ministry and he and Calvin and and all those who work the care ministry do a great job getting people to volunteer and sign up to do certain things. But there's no sign up list for being a witness for Christ. You don't have a choice in the matter. You're saved by the grace of God and and you're to be a witness for Jesus and you're accountable. You don't don't have to volunteer to be a missionary. You don't have to volunteer for care ministry. You, You are already accountable. The Bible says that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every believer will. To give an account of the things we've done in our body, whether they were good or bad. My dear friend, you're accountable for the souls of many women around you. You're responsible for them. And God holds us accountable. Oh, my dear friend, what what great sin is it for me and you not to share the gospel? We are all, in in some respect, bloody-handed Christians because of our neglect. What a great sin it is. We talk about revival, we're praying for revival, but revival does not come unless there's a confession and admission and turning from sin. And here's one of the great sins of the church. Islam is growing at rapid pace around the world. Part of it's a matter of procreation, the people being born into it, but they they are proselyting. I mean, they are aggressively trying to influence people into Islam. And yet the church has gone to sleep pretty much. Quit getting the gospel out. Quit trying to be aggressive in getting the gospel out. In that New Testament church, my dear friend, when God the Holy Spirit came, he said, you shall be witnesses unto me. And boy, listen, you know what they said of that group? They turned the city upside down. In a matter of weeks, they had had thousands upon thousands saved. And it spread all across the country. They went everywhere preaching the gospel. Sin hinders revival. And here's a great sin. It's a great sin of not being a witness for Christ. Sin kills churches. Sin grieves the Holy Spirit. Sin causes Christians to miss their joy. Sin, doom, this sin dooms millions to hell for all eternity because they've never had an opportunity, never heard the gospel. We've never shared it with them. They've died and went to hell. Oh, you say, Brother Bill, what do you mean? It's a sin. Oh, listen, in the first place, is a great sin of disobeying Christ. He said in Matthew, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why you say he's given that that to the disciples? No, listen. He he goes on. And he says in the book of Acts, all that Jesus began to do and teach, and here's what he said in the gospel. He said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and then here's what you do: you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then you teach them to observe all things. All things that I've commanded you. In other words, here's the program. You, you, somebody preaches the gospel, they get saved. And then in turn, you tell them, you go tell somebody else. That's what it's all about. It's all about reproducing ourselves by carrying the gospel. But my dear friend, listen, here's a great sin. It's a sin of disobedience. Disobedience, not to witness and not to, be, not to share Christ. Not to have a burden in and, and some way through gospel tract, through personal witness, somehow to get the gospel to everybody that you, influence, uh, you have influence over. Everybody you come in contact with, you're accountable for that. That invitation is given even in the last chapter of the of book of Revelation. Chapter 22, verses 16 and 17. And the last command was this, that let everyone come. The bride and the spirit say, come. We are to invite people to come to know Christ. And the book of First Samuel says this. It says that disobedience is as the sin of witchcraft. We'd be quick to point out somebody who's involved in demon worship or witchcraft and we'd say, boy, that's an awful thing. But you know, he says disobedience is like the sin of witchcraft. If we disobey Christ in this area of witnessing for him, of telling others about Christ and sharing the gospel, you're personally accountable. I'm accountable. And yet think about the times over and over again when we've had opportunity. We've disobeyed Christ in that area. We haven't shared Christ with everybody. It's not only a sin of disobedience. But my dear friends, it's a sin of lack of love. Oh, we sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But can I give you a verse or two this morning? Listen to what he said. He said in the book of Matthew, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, he, and, and here's what he said in John 14. If you love me, keep my commands. If any man love me, he will keep my words. He that loveth me and keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he here is 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 not mine, but the Father's which sent me. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my words. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And he said, the words I'm saying to you are not my words, but they're the words of the Father. And if you love him, if you love him, you'll be a witness for him. You'll tell others about him. You'll share the gospel with people. And we can talk about how much we love him, but according to the Bible, if we don't obey his command and the last command he gave, my dear friend, can I say this to you? In all the years I've been pastoring, one of the most moving experiences I've had was in the days that Brother G.P. Benson was in the hospital just before he went home to be with the Lord. He personally talked to every one of his boys. He pleaded with them to be saved. And thank God they have. Thank God they've been saved. And that that impressed me how that he in the last days appealed to his family once again to be saved. Prayed for him for years. We'd all prayed for him, And yet he shared that gospel And my dear friend, the dying request, the dying desire of that father was honored. Those boys trusted Jesus Christ. And here's the dying request of our Lord. All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go you therefore and preach the gospel. Teach all nations. My dear friend, that's his last request to us. And we say we love him and we don't do what he asked us to do. The sin of not witnessing, the sin of not carrying the gospel around the world is demonstrating our lack of love for him. Not only that, but it's demonstrating our, 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 the sin of not following him. He said in the book of Matthew, he said, follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. In Luke 9, 23, he said this, deny thyself, take thy cross and follow me. And he said on, further, he said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, we're the follow in his step. And he said, if any man will serve me, let him follow me. And my dear friend, if we're not following him in this matter of getting the gospel out, Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. And I'll tell you, he hadn't changed his mind. Let's see what he's doing. And if you want to be friends with Jesus, if you want to fellowship with him, you need to get involved in getting the gospel out. It's a great sin, my dear friend, of not following Jesus if we don't get the gospel out. If we don't do everything we can to win souls, it's a, great, it's a great sin of lack of love for Christ if we don't get the gospel out. He that loveth me keeps my commandments. And it's a sin of disobeying him. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. But further, my dear friend, it's a sin of not abiding in Christ. We're inconsistent in our abiding in him because he said in John chapter 15, he that abideth in me beareth much fruit. And we're not bearing any fruit quite often. I just run through your mind. Think about how many people in all your Christian experience that you've had opportunity to, to influence for Christ and lead to Christ. How many can you name that you know that have been born again, trusted Jesus Christ because of your direct witness, because you shared the gospel with him. And he that abideth in me beareth much fruit. I do understand that there's a matter of sowing, there's a matter of breaking up fallow ground in all of our efforts involved, incorporated in the salvation of a soul. But I'm saying to you, he he that abideth in me beareth much fruit. And I believe our lack of witness, our lack of concern to get the gospel out demonstrates our sin of not abiding in him. Notice this, it's a sin of dishonesty in regard to a sacred trust. The Lord gave two different parables about people who were entrusted with great treasure, talents. And he came back and they were accountable for what they'd given. And when they came back, he, 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 Looked at what they'd done with what he gave them. And think about what he gave you. The disciples not long after Pentecost walk into the temple. And there's a man begging. And they said silver and gold have we none but such as we have given to thee. My dear friend we might not have much. But if we've, got the, we've been saved we have the gospel. And there's no greater treasure that God's ever given you. It's far above riches. It's far above rubies. That message of the gospel, God has entrusted with us the saving, redemptive message of a lost and dying world that we can be saved. We can be born again. I was reading an article the other day of where somebody had been in a place where there's a shipwreck. And and, uh, there was a plea that went out to some of the local fishermen to come and rescue. And they were hesitant. They wouldn't go. Consequently, several people died because they would not respond to the call. And my dear friend, listen, it's a, it's a sacred trust that God's given to us. Paul said in chapter one of the book of Romans, he said, I'm a debtor. I owe a debt. Christ loved me. I can't, I can't pay for my salvation. I thank God for that. But he said, I, I, I am a debtor, not to the Lord, but to men. I have responsibility to share Christ with them. I have something to change their life. It's not me. It's not what the Baptists believe. It's not what Brother Billy believes. It's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. And everybody needs to share that. You need to share that. And my dear friend, the great sin, the great sin of not sharing the gospel is not only, my dear friend, that you are not abiding in Christ, that we don't love Christ like we ought to. We're not obeying Christ. that We've neglected a sacred trust. My dear friend, it, it is, in fact, much like manslaughter. Maybe involuntary manslaughter, but it's manslaughter. You say, I didn't intend to shoot him. It was an accident. It was neglect. It was a malfunction in some of the equipment, but it's still manslaughter. And my dear friend, you rightly ought to be upset about abortion. You ought to rightly be upset about people taking babies and and killing babies. or Millions of them in our nation every year. That ought to be a great concern to us, but it certainly ought to be a concern to me and you too. Because what he said to Ezekiel was this. He said, if you don't speak to warn, they'll die in their sin. But he said, their blood will I require at thy hand. You know what he's saying? He said, you'll be guilty of that death. Some of you've heard the story that I heard many years ago, Dr. Bill Rice preaching at Tennessee Temple. And Dr. Rice said there was an occasion when a man living in the mountains around a little general store, his boy was playing on the front porch of that store. A man comes storming through the door, and he said, I want a box of buckshot. And he turned around to get the shot, and he turned around to the guy who wanted to buy the buckshot. He laughed, and laughing. he said, it's not deer season. You can't kill deer today. He said, I have no intent in killing a deer. I'm going to kill a man. And he called the man's name, and he stormed out of the general store. The owner of that store called his son and said, son, go quickly, run down behind the place and go over the hill and tell so-and-so in that house to get out of that house. Leave, leave, leave now. And the little boy took off with that great message of, 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 of life. Get, leave, get out, flee. Danger's coming, death's coming. Get out of there, run. And the boy just had that burning in his heart. But as he ran down the bottom and crossed the creek, he saw a beautiful bird flop on a limb. He reached down in the creek bed for just one moment and threw the stone At that bird, he just barely did miss the bird. The bird flooded just a little ways down further. He ran down a creek, grabbed another stone, threw it again, and threw it again, and threw it again. And before long, he was several feet down the stream. But after a while, his aim was true, and he hit that little bird, and he plummeted to the ground. And that man ran, and he picked up, that little boy ran and picked up that bird. And the blood began to run through his fingers. He realized his message of mercy. He took off, and he ran back on through the woods and over the hill, and came as he approached this man's house. There were several vehicles already there. Laying on the front door the porch of that man, the uh, house was a man in a pool of blood. The daddy had already gotten there. And among that crowd, he stood in horror and sadness. The little boy sidled up beside his daddy. And he looked down and he said, son, what's that's on your hand? He said, daddy, it's the blood of a bird. He said, son, I'm sorry. That's not the blood of a bird. It's the blood of a man. You were to hell this man. You'd have warned him. And you didn't do it. That's not the blood of a bird. That's the blood of a man. You're accountable. Can I say to you moms and dads and family, you're accountable. You're accountable for your friends and for your neighbor and for your family and for all those that God allows you to have influence in. We're accountable. The Bible said that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I would that we could all be as the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 26, Having preached in Ephesus for some length of time, he was heading to Rome and he called the elders of that city. Having talked to them for a few moments, he makes a statement in Acts chapter 20 verse 26. He said, I'm free. My hands are clean of the blood of all men. Because in that city, he said, I cease not to warn everyone day and night with tears. My dear friend, I wonder what our hands looked like if we could really see them. Sometimes I've seen another commercial where they they show this thing and you have to put it under a certain light before you can see the impurities. And I wonder under the white light of God's holiness today, if when we looked at our hands, they'd be dripping with blood. Would you bow your heads in prayer with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning? With your heads bowed and eyes are closed. I want to say to you, first of all, if you're here this morning... The reason this is such a strong message here and uh, such a strong warning to this prophet Ezekiel is that Jesus, God, is not willing that any should perish. He has entrusted the great gospel message to lost and dying world, to the hands of God's people. And if you're in the sound of my voice and you're in this building and I have not made clear to you the gospel... Let me say to you once again that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody's a sinner. And the ways of sin is death. But he's not willing that any should perish. And he sent his own son to suffer, bleed, and die for you. The ways of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a free gift. My dear friend, if you but receive it, if you would receive it right now, he wants you to be saved. And if I've not made that clear, please forgive me. I don't want to have the blood of any boy, a girl, a man, or woman in this building on my hands. But more than that, I don't want you to die and go to hell. It's simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not joining this church. It's not baptism. But if you're here in this building this morning and you've never been saved, my prayer, my plea is receive him now. By faith, call out to him. By faith, ask him to come in your heart and forgive you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Right now, right where you are, call on him, receive him. Make your way to this altar in a few moments and bow. If there are questions, I'll help you. If there's other uh, men who will pray with the men, ladies who will pray with the ladies, we'll help you. But while we have our heads bowed and eyes are closed, I wanted you to do something for me if you know Christ. Would you just lay your hands in your lap, palms up, and not looking around, would you just open your eyes and look at your own personal hands? Is there any blood there? Blood of children? Blood of classmates? The blood of your friends? Your family? I can't save anybody. You can't save anybody. All we can do is warn them. All we can do is love them and share the gospel with them with a broken heart. Give them a gospel track, CDs, a personal witness. Ask for God to give us boldness, to give them the gospel. It's the word of God. It's the gospel that saves. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, I shudder to think of missed opportunities. And personal failure on my part. And God, I ask God for mercy this morning. God, I pray in these last days, God, you'd help me. To be faithful to you. That I would not have bloody hands. God, I, 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 I shudder to think. That at that time. Our father, when there are those that I love. Who at the great white throne will be in hell for all eternity. And I'd have to witness that. Their final consignment to be alienated from God forever. Oh God, please purge my heart, my mind and God help me to be busy about the master's business. I ask Father that you forgive me. My sin of not sharing the gospel at every opportunity I've had now, friends, while we pray this morning, let's stand together. I want to invite you, first of all, if you've never trusted Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, if you received him a few moments ago, I'd love to rejoice with you and the folk here would love to pray for you. I'm not asking ask you to join this church. But if you've never been saved, I invite you to come now, bow around this old altar and receive Jesus. For the saints of God, I want to ask you, if God the Holy Ghost spoke to your heart, and you this morning want to recommit your life, understanding the importance of it, the seriousness of it, to be a faithful witness for Jesus. I invite you to come, kneel around this altar. I pray God to send revival. We got to get honest. The gospel will change lives, it'll change a country if we'll get the gospel out.